Hi there, everybody. Uh, this episode of the Golf Guide podcast is proudly presented by Golf Guide magazine, the West Coast's finest printed golf course directory, giving you information on every single golf course, public, private, regulation, par three. It doesn't matter if it's in California, Nevada, or Oregon. Golf Guide magazine has got you covered, and uh, I've actually got a little bit of a... Uh, of some breaking news here for you. Beginning in 2019, the Golf Guide magazine is going to be expanding to also cover the states of Washington and Hawaii. So that means every single state in the union that touches the Pacific Ocean, plus Nevada, because, I mean, come on, Las Vegas and Reno. I mean, there's two, two, two of the funnest, you know, most fine places to gamble and, and watch and play sports in the West Coast. So you got to include it in there. But Everything on the West Coast, including Hawaii, is going to be available in Golf Guide Magazine starting in 2019. And Golf Guide Magazine is available at a golf course near you at over 1,100 different golf course facilities across the West Coast. So pick up a Golf Guide Magazine at a golf course near you. And uh, to learn more, you can always visit golfguide.net. All right, let's get to it, everybody, with another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, mostly gentlemen, uh, it, it is so delightful to be back with you. Uh, of course, I am Kyle Serla, host of the Golf Guide Podcast, and uh, oh man, we got a, uh, a pretty interesting uh, week coming up here. The quote-unquote FedEx Cup playoffs are coming to a wrap. Uh, professional sports' least important playoffs uh, is, of course, that of the PGA Tour at the FedEx Cup playoffs, but uh, this weekend it will come to a conclusion with the Tour Championship at East Lake Golf Club, just a few miles outside of downtown Atlanta. And uh, as it comes down to it, um, there's just a handful of guys who are going to have a chance to take home the $10 million prize. So uh, on today's podcast, we'll touch a couple of uh, professional golf-related items. Uh, in fact, you know what? Now that I'm looking through my, uh, my, my episode notes here today, it's pretty much all professional golf-related. Not a lot of uh, things happening in terms of the local golf scene here on the West Coast, no uh, new news that I have for you in terms of golf courses opening or closing, um, you know, amateur tournaments happening. So we're going to focus primarily on the uh, professional game today. And uh, as I stated just uh, just a moment ago, this weekend is the Tour Championship uh, at Eastlake. Uh, only the top five players in the FedEx Cup standings are going to have an opportunity to win that $10 million prize. And uh, real quickly, as we go into this final tournament, the top five players are number one, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, number two, Justin Rose, number three, Tony Finau, number four, Dustin Johnson, and number five, Justin Thomas. Um, you know, it, it's a pretty good list. Those are five of the best golfers in the entire world right now. Uh Going into the final event of the season, the fact that Keegan Bradley uh, is number six because he won the BMW Championship uh, seems pretty dumb to me, especially considering that he is ahead of Brooks Kepka, <laughs> a two-time major winner in 2018. So uh, um, it, a, a little strange, but yeah, so those first guy, five guys, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Rose, Tony Finau, Dustin Johnson, and Justin Thomas, they are going to have an opportunity to win that big, bulky voluptuous $10 million prize that will go to the winner of the FedEx Cup. So uh, it will at least be interesting to see which one of them gets to cash that big old Happy Gilmore-sized check uh, at the end of this weekend. 
Uh, some other news for you guys, uh, also related to the FedEx Cup, is that uh, the system that Chris Durr and I spoke about a few episodes ago, where uh, the PGA Tour was going to set up the final event of the year, the Tour Championship, so rather than just having you know the, the points be determining who could qualify to win said championship and win that $10 million prize, uh, they're going to put everybody on even footing going into the last tournament of the year with an asterisk, of course. Uh, rather than only, you know, having to have so many FedEx Cup points going to the final tournament to be able to win, they're going to have it so the winner of the Tour Championship just wins the FedEx Cup. But the way they're making this equal is that whoever is first in the FedEx Cup standings is going to get to start the final event, the Tour Championship. They're going to literally get to start the tournament out at 10 under par. Now, um... It's odd, you know, whereas basically, you know, I think places two through five will then get to start the tournament at eight under par um, and and so on and so on until the 30th and final uh, player to make the tour championship will start at even par. So uh, the person in 30th place at the FedEx Cup standings will start at a 10 stroke disadvantage uh, going into the tour championship with that $10 million prize on the line. And, uh, you know, the, the PGA Tour announced it. Uh, Tuesday morning of this week. Um, I, 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 if you really want to go read the press release yourself, I say go ahead. Uh, I think uh, Jeff Shackelford very succinctly, uh, you know, offered a couple of what his takes were, which were exactly, you know, I wouldn't say exactly, but pretty similar to kind of what I was thinking after I had read through it myself. And basically, uh, you know, as I just mentioned, the FedEx Cup leaders at minus eight and, uh, <laughs> or minus 10, excuse me, and, you know, the second and uh, through fifth place at negative eight. Um, if those leaders get off to a nice Thursday start, uh, they could create per, perhaps one of the most unsatisfying weekends of a large tournament that there has ever been. If somebody starts off this tournament at 10 under par and they go out and they fire a 64 or a 65 on Thursday and Friday, I mean, could there be a less competitive weekend in a PGA Tour event? I don't know. Um but you know what? I think next year we are going to find out. So second, because of this, uh, the final tournament of the PGA Tour season, but before the FedEx Cup playoffs begin, is the Wyndham Championship. And, you know, basically because the FedEx Cup points are going to be at less of a premium, um, now Wyndham is going to have to bribe players with a, with a, a bonus pool of some kind to show up at the final regular season event. Um you know, which it just seems kind of silly. Um, and for this final event, guys are starting off 10 strokes apart from one another, yet they're going to get an official win on their resume with a handicap system in place, which just seems uh, extremely counterintuitive to any kind of a quote-unquote professional uh, golf tournament. So that is, that's pretty whack. And uh, the final point that I saw Jeff Shackelford make is uh, this will be easier to follow than the current system where algorithms proved consistently boring to follow. Uh, this has to be better, a low bar, yes, but it only took 11 players to confirm what we all knew. The FedEx Cup, as we knew it, did not work. And that's really the only thing that allowed this new system to come into place is that the old, the existing FedEx Cup setup is just was just so shitty that even a completely dumb uh, system like this still stands as an improvement so hopefully this new fedex cup setup is uh short-lived and they actually finally listen to me um you know for those of you at the pga tour offices uh i am available 
I will happily leave my post at Golf Guide and uh, as host of the Golf Guide podcast to help come and fix the PGA Tour. So please get at me, Kyle, at golfguide.net. Um, now, let's go to the next uh, little bit of news. Uh, congressional. Uh, it, it's no longer a good enough golf course to host a USGA event, but don't worry. The PGA of America still has got a lot of love for Congressional. It looks as though the 2036 Ryder Cup has been locked in to take place at Congressional, and uh, it looks like a PGA Championship will also be heading to Congressional at some point in the next couple of decades as well. So good news for golf fans in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Um, you know, stick on, oh, Staying with a Tour Championship in the FedEx Cup playoffs, um, something else that, uh, Christopher Durr and I had mentioned during our podcast a couple weeks ago, where if you have not listened to it already, I, I invite you to go back and listen to uh, a couple episodes ago of the golf guide podcast. I know that Chris had also simulcasted it on the no gimme's feed. So you can, you know, feel free to listen to it on the no gimme's podcast or in golf guide where we had talked about all, you know, our different solutions as to how to fix the FedEx cup. And the one thing that we both completely agreed on was having it be in some sort of a rotation where it's not always played at Eastlake. Um, you know, I, I myself, you know, am somewhat of a, of a golf architecture nerd. I know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast would fall into that same category. Uh, but you don't have to be a golf architecture nerd to have a list of golf courses that you would love to play. You know, bucket list golf courses. You know, maybe you've seen them in some of the top 100 lists or the various big-time golf publications, or, you know, you've had friends tell you stories about, you know, these epic golf courses that you have to go play. And it's funny because the one golf course that I've really never heard anybody talk about they have to play before they die is Eastlake. The, 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 the golf course that somehow, some way, has managed to host the last 14 Tour Championships. I know it's the golf course that Bobby Jones grew up playing, but let's be honest, Eastlake is not special. Uh, it's got Reese Jones's fingerprints all over it, which therefore automatically disqualifies it as a course that I really, really would love to play. So, um, you know, we want to get this thing in a rotation of some kind, you know, and especially on the West Coast, West Coast golf fans are deprived of big-time golf events. Unless we get a U.S. Open at Pebble or Torrey or, you know, like we said, uh, Los Angeles Country Club's coming up here in a couple years. Other than the West Coast swing early in the year when people are still kind of coming out of hibernation in terms of uh, golf, the, the West Coast just gets absolutely shafted, shafted uh, when it comes to big-time professional golf events. And uh, having the Tour Championship or the FedEx Cup playoffs, for that matter, go in some kind of a rotation where it gets the entire country involved Seems like a complete no-brainer, but uh, unfortunately, um, David Dusek of Golf Week, uh, who's fantastic. Usually, he does a lot of the equipment uh, riding for Golf Week. I used to listen to him all the time. Yeah, every week when he used to be a guest on the Fitz and Brooks show on the, the Bay Area sports radio station KNBR. But um, you know, he he did write a little article about why the Tour Championship is probably not going to be leaving Atlanta anytime soon, and that is because the two uh, title sponsors um, of the Tour Championship are Coca-Cola and the Southern Company, which is uh, one of the largest utility companies in the United States, which are both based in Atlanta. And uh, uh, because apparently money is the most important uh, factor for the PGA Tour, which, you know, I, I don't blame them, but I mean, Christ, they, they can make a lot of money in a lot of different places. All right. I mean, so basically, long story short, with Coca-Cola and the Southern Company being the two title sponsors of the Tour Championship, their preference is to keep that tournament in their local community. Uh, they can send all their employees to go check it out. And so 
Unfortunately for golf fans, it does not appear that the Tour Championship is going to be leaving Atlanta anytime soon per David Dusek, and that is uh, is just a massive bummer for all of us. Um, Really... Really hate that. It's just so dumb. Um, Anyway, another uh, professional golf note. Miss Angela Stanford uh, wins last weekend's Evian Championship, becoming the second oldest LPGA major winner in history. Uh, She rode a pair of weekend 68s to an absolutely massive win. Congratulations, Miss Angela Stanford. Uh, Well-deserved. Very, very cool to see her uh, take that one home. Um. And let's see. And then we just got a couple other items here before uh, we put uh, a wrap on this week's brief uh, golf guide podcast. And the first one is that uh, apparently those new rule books, that 2019 rule book with a lot of the changes uh, that are uh, going to be made, uh, you know, is being printed and is going to be coming out soon. And uh, there is a couple issues that uh, a few golf writers around the country are a little worried about. Alistair Tate of uh, Golf Week uh, wrote an article just a couple of days ago that uh, I want to share some tidbits of it with you. Um, you know, but at the beginning of his article, uh, Mr. Tate kind of goes into how he is a, a big fan of a lot of these rules changes. Uh, a lot of the emphasis with these new rules is kind of really emphasizing the importance of ready golf, speeding things up, things like reducing the search for a lost ball from five minutes to three minutes. Uh, You're not going to be penalized for accidentally kicking a ball uh, while you're searching for it in the rough. Um, Just less rules in general are going to go from 34 to 24 rules. However, uh, Mr. Alistair Tate does have a problem with rule 13.1c, which states, and I quote, a player may repair damage on the putting green without penalty by taking reasonable actions to restore the putting greens as nearly as possible to its original condition. Damage on the putting green means any damage caused by a person or outside influence, end quote. And then I'll go on to read a little bit of this article for you just to kind of give you a little bit uh, uh, more clarity on what he's what he's referring to, and that is the new rule then goes on to list ball marks, shoe damage such as spike marks, scrapes, indentations, old hole plugs, turf plugs, animal tracks, hoof indentations, and embedded objects as damage that can be repaired. Uh, in short, anything goes. And there is a caveat to the new rule that says such repair may be done without unreasonably delaying play. And rest assured, this rule will unreasonably delay play. Um, It's one of those things where people like myself who like playing golf fast, I don't see this rule um, really changing anything. Um, You know, if you see a slight little imperfection, you know, so be it. You putt, it's probably, there's a 95% chance it's not going to make any difference anyway. However, we all know those guys. Every one of us has a buddy or plays regularly with some kind of a Daryl that just is so focused on making sure that they have everything under control they take way too much time they have a 14 foot putt for double bogey and they're going through and they're sweeping their towel to get rid of all the small little grains of sand on everything just to make sure they have a perfect you know line between their ball and the hole and you're like dude you have been yanking your putts three inches left all day this does not matter it's those people those are the ones that this rule is going to kill 
And it's it, it's not going to kill them. It's going to kill the rest of us. The people that were already slow are going to be playing even slower now. And that is uh, one of the, the, the main kind of contentions that uh, Mr. Alistair Tate kind of gets to in his article. I, I agree with him 100%. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the aforementioned Jeff Shackelford, he's also not a fan of this rule because it kind of it kind of gets rid of the whole play it as it lies aspect of golf. You know, golf somewhat is a game of chance, and uh, this takes a lot of that chance out of it. Uh, I, I think it was Bobby Jones did have some kind of a quote uh, that you know I'm paraphrasing here when I say, you know, golf, you know kind of resembles life in the fact that you you get bad breaks from good shots and uh you get really lucky you know really lucky breaks from from bad strokes um and that's kind of part of golf you know you can hit a good shot and it might just might not be perfect it's it's them's them's the bounces them's the breaks you know so it's it's a little weird this 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 rule seems a little over the top and you can tell for me stuttering that it's it's kind of getting me a little fired up and uh it it just seems way too over the top, and I'm really really hoping uh, that this does not. This is not a reason for me to be playing more five plus hour rounds of golf. And uh, you know, in in conclusion, uh, in Mr. Tate's article, he says he hopes he's wrong. I hope players don't abuse the new rule, but I fear we're going to see players doing just that and slowing down play even more. I wonder how long it will be before I'm writing a subsequent column praising the governing bodies for rescinding the rule. Um, so very, very interesting it, it, as these new rules take place, leaving the flag stick in the hole, repairing all these imperfections in the putting green. Uh, it is going to be pretty fascinating to see how this does affect, um, not just the people in the professional game, but really the amateur game. And I'm not even talking about tournaments, just guys going out playing in industrial golf leagues or just playing with your buddies. Um, is it going to, is it going to really vastly increase uh, the pace of play, and are we really going to notice anything other than the ball making a little bit of a different noise when it hits a flagstick before it drops into the hole? And finally, the last item of today's podcast. This is something that came out uh, nearly six days ago, so there there may be a chance you have read the article already, but it's just so good and it's so uh, insightful and fun to read that I wanted to share it with all of you guys. So uh, I'm referencing an article by the great Adam Shupak, a fantastic writer. I know I've seen him write for uh, Golf Week in the past, uh, as well as several other publications. In this uh, case, he's writing for Golf.com, Sports Illustrated's uh, golf branch. Um, and it, it's all about the uh, the player poll. Basically, uh, they polled 59 anonymous PGA Tour players, where they asked them a variety of questions and I just really briefly wanted to go through the questions and the answers because I thought they were just very interesting. Uh, each question will provide a percentage in terms of which ones answered yes, which ones answered no, and then may include one to two uh, quotes um, that the players had from when the question was asked. So I'm just going to go through this thing, share the answers with you. If I have something to add to it, I will add it. Uh, there's a lot of really, really good stuff in here. Uh, and before I start, it says... Uh, over two days of surveying at the PGA Championship and the Wyndham Championship, 59 players participated, including four major winners, one 2018 major winner, and three of the top 20 players in the world. Uh, all right, so let's do it. Let's see here. First question. Do you like the PGA Championship's move to May? 76% of golfers say yes. So once again, in 2019, the PGA Championship will become the second major played 
on the PGA Tour calendar, taking place in May in between the Masters and the U.S. Open. And uh, one of the players quoted, I just want to play in one. I I don't care if it's in January in Alaska, (laughs) which uh, we're going to go ahead and guess that's not one of the top 20 guys. But anyway, very, very cool. I'm totally with them. I think the move up to May is going to be fantastic. Uh, It's also going to help kind of move everything up. Uh, You know, the Tour Championship next year is supposed to be taking place a full weekend before Labor Day. So this is going to kind of help facilitate golf's, you know, the professional golf season sort of coming to a close in mid to late August. So that's good for everybody. Uh, Second question. Are you concerned that tour players are hitting the ball too far? 76% of golfers said no. Uh, With, you know, quotes like, I just wish I hit it further. Uh, But then you also have uh, things like, equipment has taken a ton of skill away from the game. Or, quote, the problem is that the ball goes too straight. Uh, Or, yes, 300 yards doesn't cut it anymore. So 32% of respondents said yes, they are worried about the ball going too far. 76% said no. Uh, That is pretty impressive. The last time they did the survey a couple of years ago, uh, only 29% said they were concerned that the ball was going too far. So that concern is growing. And uh, if these guys were actually allowed to be completely honest, I bet you it would be even a little bit different because you got to keep in mind that you know, most of the guys in the PGA Tour are getting paychecks from the major equipment manufacturers whose livelihood uh, is dependent on uh, their tour players who are there paying hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to trying to convince the golfing public that they have to be buying new shit every single year. So you got to take uh, their answers with a grain of salt. Uh, next question. Tour setups are generally too short, too long, or about right? said about right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that's some bullshit. I would say a lot of them are way too long. Only 70% said too long, and 0% of them said too short. So uh, that answer right there tells me that they need to uh, start. Let's see a couple 6,700-yard, you know, 6,700-yard courses out there, all right? Something really tricky. When they play the match play at Austin Golf Club, uh, where it's like 66, 6,700 yards, that shit is a ton of fun. So uh, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Uh, next question from this point on, oh, this one is juicy, by the way, from this point on, who will win more majors, Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas? I was shocked. 68% of the golfers polled in this survey said that Justin Thomas will win more majors than Jordan Spieth going forward. Um, you know, it's, it's a little interesting. One of the quotes we saw is Justin's got a chip on his shoulder he doesn't want to be known as Jordan's little buddy anymore. Uh, wouldn't it be awesome if that was actually Justin Thomas's quote? That'd <laughs> uh, be fantastic. Uh, next question. Has having a slow-playing partner ever hurt your on-course performance? 78% of the surveyors said yes. With, quote, a bunch of millionaires aren't going to speed up by fining them $10,000. Uh, that is correct. Um, I think it, it's just it, it's on us to publicly shame the shit out of uh, guys on tour who are playing way too fast. I mean, certainly you don't want to have this turn into a speed golf type thing, but I mean, holy shit, why not start having a thing where you know golfers who take more than a certain amount of time automatically penalize a stroke, or if you take more than X amount of time to play your 18 holes, bam, you're automatically you know penalized a stroke. I think. The strokes would do a lot more because uh, it's going to affect these guys' paychecks more so than just a $10,000 fine. Anyway, the next one. Do you feel your own pace of play is acceptable? 100% of respondents said yes. So, obviously, J.B. Holmes, 
uh, is either lying to himself and was a respondent in this survey or he was not polled. Um, that is just ludicrous. Um, I would say, what, 75% of the guys on tour play too slow? But anyway, uh, let's go to the next one. Have you ever played a tournament round hungover? Oh, hungover. Uh, 46% of the guys who took this survey said yes, they have played a, round, a professional round of golf hungover. Oh, absolutely legendary. Some of these uh, these hot takes of these quotes are pretty good too. Quote, I shot 61 hungover. <laughs> Quote number two, I was eight under through 13 one time, and then I made a mess of it. Uh, next quote, I made the weekend on the number, shot 60 on Saturday with a hangover, and won the tournament. Ba-bam. Going to have to go back and do some research to see who won a tournament by shooting 60 on Saturday. After making the cut on the number, we might be able to find out who it is. Uh, <laughs> the next quote is just completely awesome. Uh, have you ever played a tournament round hungover? This guy's correspondence. Yeah, the entire 2014 season. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was that. That's really fantastic. Uh, next question: Have you ever witnessed a fellow tour player cheat during a tournament round? Forty-four percent said yes. Uh, quote: Multiple times. The tour is a joke when it comes to enforcing the rules. Uh, that is that is a bummer. Uh, it's too bad to see a fellow tour player uh, cheat. But I mean, hey. Golf's filled with shitheads. What can you do, right? Uh, next question. Have you ever broken a rule and not reported it? 100% say no. <coughs> Bullshit. <coughs> Liars. Okay, sorry. Something stuck in my throat. My, my, my apologies. Uh, next question. Has an unruly has unruly fan behavior ever cost you a shot? 53% said yes. Uh, one quote says, every single week, that guy needs to grow a pair. Um... Come on, you guys are professional athletes. You guys have it so much better than everybody playing football and baseball and basketball, so just suck it up. Uh, next question. Have you ever purposely tanked to ensure you missed a cut? Uh, 3% said yes. 97% said no, but 3% said they had tanked to miss a cut. Uh, the only quote they offered was, hey, I had better things to do than finish dead last. All right. Now, this is the one where it's really going to get a little dicey. We don't like to go political on this podcast very often, but we're going to do it. Did you vote for Donald Trump? 56% of these guys said yes. 12% said no. 18% they were ineligible, likely because they are not United States citizens. And 14% of them said they didn't vote. Uh, the, the quote is, he was the lesser of two evils. Well, I mean, I can very much disagree with that uh 56 voted for trump i mean these guys have a lot of money they're probably just going to vote for the republican you know 95 percent of the time no matter how uh just absolutely retarded or racist or insensitive or just generally unintelligent the republican candidate may be um and the next question the follow-up with that was if he runs again in 2020 will you vote for him uh, well, 56% voted for percent voted for him last time, uh, 42% said yes, they would vote for him again. Uh, one of the quotes, uh, fuck yeah, I'm voting for Trump. Uh, all right. Uh, next one, I'm not a citizen, but if I could, it wouldn't be for Trump. Uh, next quote, I won't vote for Donald Trump, but I'll still vote Republican. Um, okay. And he's made some money. That's all I care about. Well, that guy seems like an idiot. All right. 
Uh, just a couple of questions here, and then we'll uh, put a wrap on this week's podcast. Do you do you respect Brandel Shambly's opinions? Sixty four percent said yes. Twenty seven percent said no. So the majority of the players on tour do respect Brandel Shambly's opinions. Uh, I again, I, I think Brandel can be wildly annoying. Uh, I think he does have a little bit of a kind of a little bit of a douchey air to him, but at the end of the day, he is he is really really good at his job, and it it does seem like the majority of the players on tour agree with it. Uh, here are some of the quotes from that question: uh, "Say what you want, but the guy does his homework." Quote number two: "I played with him, and he wasn't that good." Uh, three: "The tiger bashing gets old and ruins a bit of his credibility." Quote four: "Every panel of talking heads needs a jackass." Uh, last quote, he can't possibly believe all of the stuff that he's saying. Oh, and one more. I blocked him on social media because I don't ever want to know what comes out of his mouth. <laughs> oh, man. Interesting. All right. Last couple ones. Will Tiger win another tour event? 98% said yes. The only quote, fuck yeah. Uh, do you think Tiger Woods will win another major? 90% said yes. Oh, I like it. Uh, next question. Tiger versus Phil money match. Who's your money on? 76% of the tour players have their money on the Tigre. 14% with Phil, 10% no comment. Uh, have you ever wagered $1,000 or more in a practice round money match? 61% said no. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that is a lie. Uh, next question, do you worry that legalized sports gambling could corrupt the pro game? Uh, 81% said no, they are not worried about sports gambling. Uh have you ever paid a tour fine? 64% said no. Ooh, Second Amendment, here we go. Do you own a gun? 51% of the guys who responded to this survey said no. They do not own a gun, which is pretty wild because uh, we already established that almost 20% of the guys who took the survey don't qualify and probably aren't United States citizens. So the 49% who answered yes, that's well over 50% of the... Uh, you know, of uh, the U.S. citizens on the PGA Tour own themselves a firearm. Ye fucking ha. And, uh, you know, the quote is, what golfer doesn't own one? <laughs> yeah. And then another qu the next quote is, if a war breaks out, you're going to want to be at my place. <laughs> yeah, rock on. Uh, let's see here. Uh, should Phil have been DQ'd at Shinnecock? 54% said no. 44% said yes. One of the quotes is, he acted like an idiot. If it were me... I'd be out. Uh, interesting there. Um, next question. Should there be two sets of equipment regulations? One for pros, another one for everybody else? 61% said no. Once again, they are being paid by the equipment manufacturers, so do not trust anything they say. And let's just skip down uh, to... Ooh, ooh, this is pretty good. These last two questions here. Who has the most natural talent on tour? Oddly enough, 40% of the guys responded Dustin Johnson has the most natural talent. F absolutely fascinating. 40% of respondents saying Dustin Johnson has the most natural talent of any player on tour. Some of the other top vote-getters were Bubba Watson at 14%. So Dustin Johnson at 40, the second highest is 14 with Bubba Watson, Tiger Woods at 12, Rory at 12, and then there's a couple guys at 4%. Really, really crazy. And then... Last question for the player survey. Who is the best pure ball striker on tour? I'll give you three seconds to see if you can guess who players said it was the best 
pure ball striker on tour. <laughs> Henrik Stenson. 14% of respondents said Henrik Stenson is the best pure ball striker on tour with Tiger Woods coming in second at 9% and Sergio at 9% as well. Uh, pretty awesome stuff there. So anyway, if you want to read all this in greater detail, I encourage you guys to go to golf.com and read Adam Shupak's article. It was published on Thursday, September the 13th uh, about you know the uh, what tour pros really think. So anyway, that is... Uh, that's it for this week, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Pretty laid back and a uh, quick episode of the podcast for y'all. And uh, we shall be back next week. We'll have the Tour Championship to talk over as well as a couple of other items that uh, I'm excited to get into. So until then, I hope you all have a wonderful week, an outstanding and fun weekend. And uh, I will be back with you all next week. Mahalo. Mahalo.